Welcome to the Naked Truth. Peace to you. We're going to pick up where we left off in the book of Numbers, chapter 33. That's the fourth book in the Bible, just in case it's your first time reading with me. So it's also Old Testament and also not going to be any red letters unless it's something Jesus reflects back on in um, the Gospels in the New Testament during his ministry. So we'll probably get through this reading pretty quickly as if you using your New King James Version Bible, you can see by how the header is there that, <clears throat> excuse me, we're just basically going to be reviewing the trip, the exodus, basically, of when the people were um, emancipated from enslavement to on their way to the promised land where we just left them off in the last reading. So here we go. Verse 1 of chapter 33 in Numbers. These are the journeys of the children of Israel who went out of the land of Egypt by their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. So Moses is the Ten Commandments. Moses, Aaron is his brother who is now deceased and at this point in the narrative. And um, um, the people, the congregation, the children of Israel are being, <clears throat> excuse me, instead of referred to as tribes now, now they're being referred to as armies. And that's like I was saying, you can see how the story unfolds to tell the story of a military industrial complex forming around the religious order of elites. Verse 2. Now Moses wrote down the starting points of their journeys at the command of the Lord. And these are their journeys according to their starting points. So it's about to give us a list of the places where the people journeyed on their trip from um, Africa when they left Egypt to the promised land, also known as Canaan, also known as Palestine, also known as Israel, um, the same area. Um, and it's giving us a list. And as we as, as we go through the points, and I'm just going to read through them place by place and just stop at the places that stand out to me or the events that stand out to me. Um, one of the things that does stand out to me is that you'll notice the, well, let's just read it. Let's start. They departed, verse 3, they departed from Ramses in the first month. On the 15th day of the first month, on the day after the Passover, the children of Israel went out with boldness in the sight of all the Egyptians. That's when they were emancipated from enslavement and they left Egypt. The Passover um, that gets celebrated now is a recognition, in recognition of that same um, emancipation. Verse 4, for the Egyptians were burying all their firstborn whom the Lord had killed among them. Also, on their gods, the Lord had executed judgments. So the first part about them burying their dead is, um, like I mentioned just now, the whole Passover ceremony. And I think it goes into that, so I won't go, won't go into that so much right now. But... um. Um, the one thing to notice there is that when it says the other thing to notice I think there is that when it says a judgment on their gods gods there is lowercase and when you look at what it's translated from the word it's translated from it's the word Elohim the same word that gets used for God in the New Testament but uh, when you look at the translations but the word Jehovah is not the same word that gets translated 
uh, to the word Lord in the New Testament. And I understand that it's because it's uh, those scriptures were in the Greek, not in the Hebrew, like the Old Testament. But I don't quite understand how come the um, how come the word Lord would translate to a different word in the New Testament. I mean, be listed even in say like here in the Strong's. Um, which is what the Blue Letter Bible dot org website it seems to be using as one of its reference books or points. Um, why the name wouldn't translate back to Jehovah or El or one of those other names that we've seen it translate back to again and again in the Old Testament. Um, so maybe that's something a linguist would know. It's definitely beyond what I know. Um, but I do know it never says Jehovah, at least as far as our readings go, in the New Testament for the word Lord. I think it's Kyrios, and I'm, that sounds Greek just by the way it sounds, but, and that's, you know, I go with anything. If I'm pronouncing it correctly, and if I'm not, forgive me. Anyway, let's keep moving. Um, verse uh, three. Oh, I thought, what's the one other thing we're gonna point, there, point out there? Um, I guess not. Well, the people left with boldness, and that sort of instituted the Passover, and um, they've been freed from being slaves. Verse 4, for the Egyptians, oh, and that's right, so they were burying all their dead. That's where the Passover thing came from, where the firstborn of um, everyone, the animals and the people, um, the slaves and the free, the Egyptians and the Israelites, if they didn't do the Passover uh, ritual of putting the uh, following what it said to do putting the blood over their lintel over their door posts basically that um, the death angel would uh, enter their homes and kill off their firstborn and that's in a nutshell what happened and like I said I'm not going to go into it too much because I think this chapter does so we'll just keep reading for now um See, uh, yeah, it does. Verse 4. For the Egyptians were burying all their firstborn. That's where the whole thing happened with the Passovers. Um, oh, so the other thing, that was it. Also on their gods, the Lord had executed judgments. That shows us again right there that more than one um, entity, deity, is being worshipped as God throughout the Bible. Not just one, not just two. Verse 5, then the children of Israel moved from Ramses and camped at Sukkoth. They departed from Sukkoth and camped at Etham, which is on the edge of the wilderness. They moved from Etham and turned back to Pihahiroth, which is east of Baal Zephon, and they camped near Migdal. So it, it sounds like they wandered around a bit, going back and forth at some points. And like I said, if you do, I don't know if I said it this time, but if you want to, you can do a search of, say, like 12 tribes of Israel, Old Testament map, or some combination like that. And you can see where the different tribes ended up settling and setting up their, um, you know, nations at that time. And you can also see that the path that they took wasn't a direct path at all. It, it's a path that even if they were all on foot, you know, like, you know, if they didn't have vehicles that we know of like we have now if they didn't have anything at all but their feet to get around on it wouldn't take 40 years to even walk 
from where they were to where they're trying to get to. So it lets us know the 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness. They seem to pass by in a flash also in our readings uh, of the the books so far. Uh, it seemed like they went from one year uh, out from emancipation, from being free from that, to suddenly the 40 years being up. Um, they seem to really pass by really quickly, like almost as if something was left out. But who knows? We'll keep reading. They departed from before Pi, from before Hahiroth, and passed through the midst of the sea into the wilderness. Went three days' journey in the wilderness of Etham and camped at Mara. So when it says they went into the midst of the sea, through the midst of the sea. This lets us know a couple of things that at this point in the retelling of the story, they're, they're, they haven't really escaped uh, slavery yet because according to the narrative that we've read before, the Egyptians are still going to attempt to go after them. Or I mean, up until this point, the Egyptians had attempted to go after them and um, chase them even to the waterfront and so that they um, were delivered through um, supernatural events of the water being parted and them passing through on dry land and whatnot, um, and the Egyptians being drowned in it is how that narrative went. Um, let's see, verse nine. They moved from Mara and came to Elam. At Elam were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, so they camped there. So. Uh, it's not necessarily the de desert that they're going through, but it is the wilderness. So when they come across fresh potable water, as they call it, um, they make the most of it. And when they don't have it, they uh, get sassy. Verse 10, they move from Elam and camp by the Red Sea. They move from the Red Sea and camp in the wilderness of Sin. They journey from the wilderness of Sin and camp at Dafka. They departed from Dafka and camped at Elush. They moved from Elush and decamped at Rephidim, where there was no water for the people to drink. So, like I was just mentioning, they went from an abundance of water to a place where there is no water. So, you can imagine how the people would feel. If you go without water, you go without food for very long. For me, it doesn't take very long. Uh, people get in their feelings fast, hangry. Verse 15, they departed from Rephidim and camped, at the wilderness, camped in the wilderness of Sinai. They moved from the wilderness of Sinai and camped at Kibroth Hadaba. They departed from Kibroth Hadaba and camped at Hazaroth. They departed from Hazaroth and camped at Ribma. Uh, they departed from Ribma and camped. Did I rhythm, rhythm, like rhythm? I'm sorry. They departed from Hazaroth and camped at Rhythma. They departed from Rhythma and camped at Ramon Perez. They departed from Ramon Perez, camped at Libna. They moved from Libna and camped at Risa. They moved, journeyed from Risa and camped at Kihilatha. They went from Kihilatha and camped at Mount Shefer. They moved from Mount Shefer and camped at Harada. They moved from Harada and camped at Makiloth. They moved from Makiloth and camped at Tahath. They departed from Tahath and camped at Terra. They moved from Terra and camped at Mithka. They went from <clears throat> excuse me, Mithka and camped at 
Hashmona. They departed from Hashmona and camped at Maseroth. They departed from Maseroth and camped at Benajikan. They moved from Benajikan and camped at Horhagidad. They went from Horhagidad and camped at Jadbatha. They moved from Jadbatha and camped at Abrona. They departed from Abrona and camped at Ezion Geber. They moved from Ezion Geber and camped in the wilderness of Zen, which is Kadesh. They moved from Kadesh and camped at Mount Hor on the boundary of the land of Edom. <clears throat> Excuse me, so there's a wilderness of Zen with a Z and a wilderness of Sin with an S. Seem to be seems to be two different places. And um now they're on the uh, at Mount Hor, which it says is on the border of the land of Edom. And that same Edom is their relative, distant relative, Esau, um, that same area. Um and like I said, you can look on a map and see how they're taking a roundabout route around the Jordan River rather than um, directly to the land of Canaan, Palestine, Holy Land, Israel, that area. Instead, going all the way around um, to the east side of the uh, Jordan River. Then Aaron the priest went up to Mount Hor at the command of the Lord and died there in the 40th year after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt on the first day of the month. So it's talking about when Aaron, uh, the judgment on Aaron passed, and then he passed. He also was judged not suitable to make it into the Holy Land, as did Miriam, a promised land, as did Miriam and Moses even. But Moses is faithful enough to still consistently stay with the people and lead them and not just abandon them when he got his own uh, death sentence. Verse 39, Aaron was 123 years old when he died on Mount Hor. So um, people still live to be that around close to that age in rare moments in modern times. So it's not that impossible to believe that someone lived to be that old uh, or that age um, way back then. But it is sort of the close of people seems to me to be uh, of a generation of people being able to live that long in the Bible anyway. Um, If you've read with me before, you know like when we read Genesis, people were living um, to be multi-centuries. I don't know how you would say that. But lived to be many centuries old. One, uh, Methuselah I think it said was like nine centuries old. Nine hundred and something years old. So, um, we know in modern times probably because it may be just because some of it is just not true it may be that uh that environmental factors have affected our genetics and our dna so that we don't live to be that long our genes don't express to live to be that long the telomeres aren't extended that long anymore but it's also possible that all of that can change where it will be possible to live that long again Maybe even infinitely, forever, like the Bible says, just in a different way than people expect. People think, like, oh, it's uh, when it talks about living forever, that it means some sort of supernatural, divine sense. It may not mean that at all. It may mean that medical advances may take place, technological advances may take place, where you're able to, people are able to transfer consciousness and knowledge from one vessel body physically 
to another one where you just continue your our, where we could just continue our uh life paths um just in a different flesh body and I know it sounds crazy or far fetched or just like science fiction um but so did flying at one point and then it turned out to be a reality so did space travel at one point and now they're talking about a space hotel that uh it sounds crazy but when you open up the bible and actually read it you'll see that it talks about as one of the prophecies in revelation uh, a new heaven and a new earth and even a new jerusalem coming down out of heaven so that sounds like science fiction or just spiritual crazy talk until you consider that it might just be saying it in a way that's not understood like a floating hotel or like a a new city coming down from heaven literally with thousands of people dwelling in it and coming down from heaven heaven literally because the old earth has passed away i know it sounds crazy until you consider modern times it's entirely possible and it even seems like the direction the world is going in with a water shortage and the air becoming toxic and the land being poisoned through fracking and all kinds of other things and the the pollution of capitalism not true capitalism but the phony capitalism that America exercises where all the money flows in one direction and toward a minority of the people while the rest of the people are left to scrounge for the limited resources while those same one percent get to plan on and even execute plans to move to and create a new heaven and a new earth on some other planet or some other asteroid or somewhere else in orbit it sounds crazy only it's actually happening and the bible actually talks about it it just talks about it in ways that people won't won't correlate to the times because it's not spelled out simply simplistically enough for people people are just that turned off by all the bad religion that they throw the baby out with the bath water possibly verse 40 now the king of Arad the Canaanite who dwelt in the south in the land of Canaan heard of the coming of the children of Israel so that seems like a bad omen because we've seen how before when the people who they, they're going to and have encountered heard that they're on their way from emancipation to their uh, we'll call it promised land that um, they didn't regard it well they came out against them in fact they'd often uh, so far twice so far at least went out against them to war against them when they heard that they were approaching their area Um, so another group of people have heard they're on their way verse 41 so they departed from Mount, Mount Hor and camped at Zalmona so when the um, um, king of that area heard they were on the way, uh, that was enough to get them to, it seems, enough to get them to turn and go a different direction. Verse 42, they departed from Zalmona and camped at Punan. They departed from Punan and camped at Oboth. They departed from Oboth and camped at Ejabarim at the border of Moab. They departed from Ejem and camped at Ediban Gad. So it went from being called Aber. I'm sorry, from being called, um, what was it? 
um, oh, EJ Abiram, if I'm pronouncing it right, to just EGEM, it seems to be a conjunction of the two. Um, they moved from Dibangad and camped at Alman Diblothame. They moved from Alman Diblothame and camped in the mountains of Abiram before Nebo. They departed from the mountains of Abiram and camped in the plains of Moab by the Jordan, across from Jericho. They camped by the Jordan from Beth Jeshemoth as far as Abel Acacia Grove in the plains of Moab. So um, it's basically led us through their journeys to where they are at this point. And I wonder if that's the same Cain and Abel, Abel Acacia Grove. Don't know, but maybe. Verse 50, Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho, saying, so um, this is the first time it's said this, at least that I'm noticing, where the Lord is having a conversation with people again. And like we've said before, that contradicts what it says in other parts of the Bible, but we'll read it as it says it, because that's what it says here. And not what it says in John, for instance, the book of John, chapter 1. Um, but it's what it says here, so that's how we'll read it. Um, so the Lord has got another message for Moses. Verse 51, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you've crossed the Jordan into the land of Canaan. So the message for Moses is for the congregation about their journey and what they're to do when they cross over the Jordan River. Verse 52, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you, destroy all their engraved stones, destroy all their molded images, and demolish all their high places. So the uh, people are being given the command to destroy the people who they're going in, uh, who dwell in the land they're going in to basically colonize and take. Verse 53, you shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell in it, for I've given given you the land to possess. So if we're understanding this how it reads, the Lord's giving them a gift, but telling them that they have to go in and take it. That sort of like how America was inhabited by people before the colonizers arrived, and yet they used the uh, rationalization of manifest destiny for stealing it, for taking it from the people who lived here before, from the Native American people, the First Nation people. Um, it's the same thing that happened back then. They're being given the command to go in and take the land, to steal it from the people who live there already. Even though they were given the command, thou shalt not steal, and thou shalt not kill. Yet they're being told to go in and both steal the land and kill the people. From the same Lord that gave them the Ten Commandments? Verse 54, And you shall divide the land by lot as an inheritance among your families. To the larger you shall give a larger inheritance, and to the smaller you shall give a smaller inheritance. There's, there everyone's inheritance shall be whatever falls to him by lot. You shall inherit it, inherit according to the tribes of your fathers. So he sort of went over that already, how it makes sense. If it's a whole lot of people, they get a whole lot of land. If it's a smaller amount of people, they get a smaller amount of land. Uh, land that's not theirs, land that was already inhabited by other people, but they're being given the permission from God to go in and take. 
verse 55 but if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell so not only are they being told to go in and harass and massacre and displace the people who live there and then steal their land and take it for themselves um they're also being told that if they don't do that then um the people who remain are going to be uh a problem they're going to be trouble to them which makes sense they'd be considered occupiers and not welcome the whole time you can see that unfolding with what's happening uh with russia and ukraine now but you could see it again and again with america going not being greeted as liberators like the package was sold as without penalty to those who sold it uh without any apparent penalty to the of those to those who sold it as that but instead being greeted as occupiers and not being welcomed for the two decades that you're there or however long you're there you're not going to be welcome there as uh, uh welcome there period you're going to be uh, resented for being there um and it's nothing new it's the same thing that they're being warned about for the people of the land that they're going in to dispossess colonize verse 56 moreover it shall be that it, i will do to you as i thought to do to them so that's the kicker that's the real kicker so they're being told to go in. the gift is you're being given this land but the the backhanded side of the gift is to get the gift you have to go in and commit harry carry you have to go in and massacre and murder the people who live there um in the gift that i'm giving you and then as the cherry on top for the gift that i'm giving you of the land that you have to go in and take possession of that you didn't really ask for in the first place that they've asked for several times to forget about it and just we'll just go back they just go back and return to egypt the trip has been that tough on them that they were willing to return to slavery and the abuse that it included entails uh, rather than continue on the journey that they've gone on but they've gone on to it and made it through those 40 years because again the 40 years suddenly went up was up just like that uh, at least in the narrative um, they made it that far and now the kicker the cherry on top for the gift is that if you don't go in and do what I told you to do do what you're being told to do go in and massacre those people and take their land then if you don't do that um, then the energy that I could have used to just I don't know zap them with a, a lightning bolt or open up the ground and swallow them up like we've seen happen before when the Lord in the narrative gets testy with the people uh, lash out and gobble them up or zap them or do all kinds of things to get rid of them wipe them out with fire and so instead of using that energy that you could use or have used on the congregation instead of using that kind of energy on the gift the people who are dwelling in the land of the promised land of the gift instead of using the energy on them and sort of just clearing the way so the congregation can just roll in with the red carpet freely instead you're being told to go in and do it yourself the gift is something you didn't ask for but you're being given and then if you don't go in and massacre to take the gift then i'm going to use that energy where i could have just cleared the path for you and use it on you instead 
Does that really, really, really sound like a fair and just Lord God Almighty who sees everyone equally? Whatever it seems like, that's what the narrative, that's how the narrative reads, at least that's how it reads to me. Or I should say it read to me because that's the last verse in this chapter. So that's the end of this reading. As always, thank you for joining me for it. And as always, I hope it's a blessing for you and that you'll join me again. God bless you. Thanks again. See you next time. Peace be with you.